Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Not only is he affecting and infecting himself, everybody around him. And here's the consequences. You live with agonizing conflicts. Don't misunderstand. Conflicts don't necessarily mean that you're out of the will of God and that you're living a life of compromise. Sometimes the very fact that you're living for God, you have conflicts. But in some cases, it is a sign because God is saying, son, daughter, you need to change your path. You need to change the direction. And he speaks through conflicts. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. As Pastor Ed continues to teach on the life of Samson in the book of Judges, he'll be reminding us that even though sin is pleasurable, it's only for a season. There are always consequences to sin. And the Lord has given us His Word in order to help us keep away from the destructive impact of sin. Don't allow your flesh, the world, or the devil to tempt you into willful and deliberate sin because conflict will always ensue that lifestyle. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, When Insiders Live Like Outsiders. Building in faith. He would have had to gone in the other direction. He would have had to been cleansed. That's why he doesn't say anything to his mother and dad. Silent. Because they would have been horrified. They would have said, you're unclean. You're a Nazareth. Remember what you're supposed to do. Aren't you hearing God speak to you? He was the strongest man that ever lived. But morally, he was weak. People can have all sorts of intelligences, but sometimes they lack moral intelligence. And that can be, and that will be to a Christian their undoing. His strength, remember, it came from his separation. Let me say that again. Your strength in God comes from being separate from the world and separated unto God. It comes from drawing a line in the sand and say, I will not cross God's boundaries. I will not cross biblical principles. I will not cross spiritual authority. Samson, there's a deafness that accompanies his spiritual compromise. Spiritual compromise is the path that makes an insider an outsider. Then something else happens. It always happens. The environment that reflects spiritual compromise Compromise. You could look at the environment. You could look at the surroundings. Now, you're going to see this all around him in verses 9 to 11. I won't read the text completely, but what we notice is what we read earlier is that Judah comes and here's the tribe that was called by God to lead the way and to win the victory and to defeat the enemy and to cleanse the land. And here, they're coming and saying to Samson, Samson, we're going to turn you over. We don't want any conflict with the Philistines. We don't want a war with them. See, they were surrendering. 
they were so accustomed to just things the way they were. And here, here, here they are, and you notice this. They have the wrong viewpoint, and that's their norm. Wrong viewpoints become the norm when we live in an environment of spiritual compromise. Listen to what they say in verse 11. Don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? You're causing trouble. What are you doing? Don't you realize? They should have remembered what Gideon said. Gideon said, the Lord will rule over you. Don't let the enemies of the Lord rule over your life. Don't let the seven deadly sins rule over your life. We're in conflict and we will be until the day we die with the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's a battle that is ongoing. And people get to the point that they embrace the viewpoint of the world. Well, everybody. That was the attitude of Judah now. It had changed. It was no longer, we're gonna fight the enemy. They had lost their fight. Now, I want you to see what else happens. That environment, they have this wrong viewpoint, but also what motivates chapter 14, chapter 15 is this ongoing spirit of retaliation. They have wrong motivations become the driver. Here's just one verse, verse seven. It's Samson. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. Every time Samson is motivated, Throughout his story, it's, he's always taking revenge. He's always getting back. He has a real anger problem. <laughs> They're not going to get one up on me. Instead of being motivated by the glory of God, yes. instead of being motivated by trying to help the brethren, instead of being motivated by the motivations that are acceptable to God, hell is sort of fueling his motivations. Why do people do what they do? I'm gonna get her back. <laughs> I'm gonna get my two cents in. That's Samson. He is motivated by revenge. There are two fires that burn in his heart and they are not holy fires, they are unholy fires. The one fire is the fire of revenge and the other fire is the fire of lust. And they're going to drive him to disaster. So what's the environment that reflects spiritual compromise? It's a viewpoint that's wrong. It's, it's not in harmony with God. It's, it's not the mind or the heart of God. It is a motivation that's wrong. That's why we say, search me, O God, know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Now God's gonna use all of this. He's amazing how he does it all. See, God never calls us to negotiate with sin, only to wage war with it. When insiders live like outsiders, you see the consequence of spiritual compromise. Hear me, hear me, hear me on this. He, he sees this beautiful woman. His parents don't want the marriage to happen. Her parents, it seems like they don't want the marriage to happen. And so he goes, and there they're at Timnah, and Samson is a strong man, they know that. And so what they do is they assign 30 people to be with him, Philistines. Oh, here's your friends, Samson. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> here's your friends. And so in verses 
11 and 13, you see the consequences of spiritual compromise. When the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Samson said to them, now there's, a, there's tension at this wedding. Let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. So he's already setting this contest. He wants something out of him. All right, you guys are going to be with me. You're my friend. All right, all right, let's have this. He knows they can't figure it out. No way, because they didn't know what happened to the lion. They didn't know what happened even when the bees made a beehive in that carcass. And you know the Bible says that Samson went back again. Now maybe he wanted to relive the battle and he saw some honey in there. And you know, usually in a carcass you're going to find maggots or flies, not bees making honey, but, but it was a test for him. And he forgets his Nazarite vow and he goes and takes some honey out and he gives the honey to his parents and they don't even know they've been defiled. If he would have said something to them, they would have been horrified. See, Samson is, is getting further and further and further. Not only is he affecting and infecting himself, everybody around him. And here's the consequences. You live with agonizing conflicts. Don't misunderstand. Conflicts don't necessarily mean that you're out of the will of God and that you're living a life of compromise. Sometimes the very fact that you're living for God, you have conflicts. But in some cases, it is a sign because God is saying, son, daughter, you need to change your path. You need to change the direction. And he speaks through conflicts. And so here, in verses 14 to 15, on the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. They couldn't figure it out. They didn't want to lose the bet. Did you invite us to this party to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to him in tears. Now, she just turned on the faucet, you know, just... You don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle. Notice what she's saying, my people a riddle. And you haven't told me the answer. He says, I haven't even given the answer to my father and mother. Well, no wonder why. He replied, why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with. Imagine that. I mean, all during the festivity times, it should have been celebration, it should have been laughter, but all during that time, it was misery. Now, let me take an aside just for a moment. I remember one woman saying to me, she had two beautiful children, very good woman, not of our church here, but she sang, had a beautiful voice, great ministry. And one day she said, Pastor, I want to talk to you. She said, would you do me a favor? I said, sure. She said, please, please. If anybody comes to you and says, I want to get married, and the person is unsaved, don't do it. Don't do it. She said, I got married in Assembly of God Church. My husband wasn't saved, and it's been misery all these years. What happens here 
is there's all sorts of conflicts because Samson crosses the line. He just disobeys. He wouldn't listen to mom and dad. He wouldn't listen to the word of God. He wouldn't listen to godly counsel. And so what's going to happen, it's going to be horrific. This is an indication of what this is going to be all through the short marriage they have. So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young man. So what happens is she tells it to the men and then they tell it to Samson. Now hear, hear me on this. This is a shadow of things to come. He's going to reveal his secret to this wife at Timnah. She's going to tell the Philistines. It's going to ensnare him. What happens with Delilah? Tell me the secret of your strength. Deal with sins way back here before you get over there. They have a way of growing. They have a way of coming around. Had Samson simply listened, his story would have been completely different. The narrative would have been completely different. In Judges, it says this. Again, you see the amazing conflicts. He's with Judah now. And remember how Judah, here's, this is the first time a tribe, and this is the leading tribe of the nation, comes and says to a judge, instead of saying, lead us, they said, we're going to sell you to the Philistines. We're turning you over to the Philistines. We're going to sell you out. Instead of saying, lead our army, take us into war, we don't want the oppression of the enemy, they wind up saying to him, Samson, we want to live comfortable. We don't want to be discomforted by sin. There's a song on, um, in country music on the Christian uh, XM station I was listening to. And uh, it said, preacher, tell us like it is. Preacher, tell us like it is. We need to hear what it is. And God's standards haven't changed. I know it's not comfortable. I know it's not palatable. But sin is still sin. And so you see this agonizing conflict. And it's going to get worse it's gonna, he's going to live with a tragic outcome. Verses 18 to 20 of chapter 14, you see this tragic outcome. He tells the riddle, uh, and she tells him, and now, again, the Spirit of God is so gracious, he comes on Samson, he goes down to Ashkelon, kills these men, 30 men, and he gives the garments there. See, again, why is he doing this? It, he's not motivated from the right motivation. It's to get revenge. It's to get even. It's not to free the people. He's not trying to help the nation. He's just trying to get back. God uses it anyway. It's amazing what God can use. And he's he's using it. But what happens here in verse 6, the Philistines later on respond, who did this? And the Philistines demand, Samson was a reply you know, he actually burnt, uh, he took these foxes, he tied 
their tails together and they went through the fields of harvest fields and they burnt down the fields and it was an agricultural culture, agricultural uh, community. It greatly impacted that community and so everybody was impacted in their pockets. And that's when they respond and so they did then, back then, like they even do today. And they said, who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistine went and got a woman and her, uh, went and got the woman and her father and they burned them to death. Now, just think about this. What happens? Samson is so angry with his crying wife that he goes back home and he is just, just, just angry. Now, anger subsides. He comes back with roses and flowers and, and chocolates. Now, actually, the Bible says it was a young goat. That was the equivalent to chocolates and flowers and things like that. So he brings this young goat. And there he goes and knocks on the door. He's expecting to go in and embrace his wife and have a relationship with her. And the father says, oh, I'm sorry. I gave her to your best man. Wow. Samson... He must have been so devastated because he was committed to this marriage. And then he seeks revenge and sends those foxes in the fields and then the people get angry and then they burn his wife and burn her father and burn their house down. It happens what she tried to avoid. I mean, it's tragic. Write this, stamp it down on in front of you, compromise makes an insider an outsider and it ends in tragedy. It ends in such tragic situations and circumstances. All of this could have been avoided. Now I want you to see the grace of God in all of this because it's amazing how God works Verse four is sort of a, an enigma. It's difficult to understand. The grace of God working in the midst of spiritual compromise. When his mother and father didn't want him to get married and everything, the text says this, his father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at the time. If Samson wouldn't willingly fight the Philistines, God would use the circumstances to get him to fight him. If the people wouldn't willingly throw off the yoke, he was gonna make them so uncomfortable all along the journey. Here is the principle that I want you to see. God's purposes are accomplished through sinfulness rather than goodness. Every time Samson does something, it's because he's angry, he's seeking revenge, he wants to get his way, he wants to get back. Now, God wants to work through goodness, but if people won't do that, he'll still work through their evil. You can't hinder God. He accomplishes his purposes. You can't frustrate him. God wanted to use Samson. All right, Samson, if I'm not going to use you and you're not going to be, in a sense, in the, with your goodness, with right motives and a right heart to deliver the people and to be an example, I'll use you this way. Here's what's happening in Samson's life. Now, here's the passage of Scripture, and it throws light 
on the text, and the text throws light on it. It says this, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. God called Samson. Supernatural birth, supernatural gifts, strength like no other. But he is kicking and screaming and fighting with God all along the way until, until chapter 16. When his eyes are gouged out as Delilah betrays him and he's blinded and he has time to think and reflect and think and reflect. He sees more clearly when he's blinded by his consequences and suffering his consequences than when he could see and he was free. Don't let it come to the place where you're broken by the consequences of disobedience. You're broken by rebellion. And suddenly in that crisis, you say, oh, oh, God, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I see this sooner? God's purposes are accomplished through sinfulness rather than goodness, and God's plans are not fully realized in Samson's life. In Judges, it says this, in the end, then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up, killed a thousand Philistines with it. Now, I just want you to think. Let's put a different spin on the story. 3,000 men come to the cave where Samson is hiding, and they say, Samson! Lead us. We want to go into battle. We are going to follow you. If one killed a thousand, what could that 3,000 do led by that one man, Samson, under the anointing? The story would have been written so, so different. Gideon, of all the judges, accomplishes the least the most spectacular birth, the most incredible calling, the most gifted of every one of them. And yet, when it comes down to the total numbers of oppressors and when it comes down to the wars and the victories, he accomplishes the least. Yeah, he makes it into Hebrews 11. He has time to repent, time to get right with God. Oh, oh, though. The wasted opportunities, living on garbage when he could have been living on the riches of God's grace. Psalm 78, 41. Yes, again and again they tempted God and they limited, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. I mean, he ruled, he judged, he guided, he did all sorts of things. But I believe Psalm 78, verse 41 was true. God could have done so, so, so much more. It's in your hands. It's your choice. If you'll put your hand in his hand and you'll say, I'll obey, I'll listen. And you live like an insider, not like an outsider. 
you live in covenant relationship with God, you will reach those outside. Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, there have been various forms of leadership. From the creator of heaven and earth, to kings, to judges. The book of Judges details the time when God chose judges like Othniel and Deborah to make right ruling in Israel. Join us each day as Pastor Ed shares with us verse by verse from the book of Judges. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Visiting the website will also help you stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Judges. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.